Well, my friends, this week and next week are the two longest Gospels we have in the entire year. This is the whole first half of the fourth chapter of John's Gospel. And next week is going to be, I believe, the entire uh, seventh chapter of John's Gospel. Um, Yeah, something like that, whatever. Um, But long Gospels, unfortunately, also mean long homily. No, ninth chapter of John's Gospel next week. Long Gospels mean long homilies, so buckle up, because we got a lot to talk about. Um, but look, today we see that Jesus, um, Jesus is on a mission, right? Jesus is on a mission to win our hearts, to win us over to love for him. He is on this mission, and today this is exemplified in the, per- in the person of this Samaritan woman coming to draw water at high noon, um, here outside the town of Sikar. And look at just the, we're, we can start looking at just the surface level dialogue between Jesus and the woman, and then we'll look at some of the deeper implications. So on a surface level, this is how Jesus interacts with us, right? When we go to pray, this is how Jesus wants to interact with us. It starts with a simple request, right? Simple request. Give me something to drink, right? Can I have a drink of water? I'm sitting here by the well, it's a hot day. Can I have a drink of water? And that's how the invitation usually happens. It's just a simple thing. Hey, maybe I want to say a prayer today. Hey, maybe I, I need to, like, I, I could just stop in the church. Or maybe I'm just coming to church. Someone invited me. It's a simple thing. And then right away, this woman puts up barriers, um, just very dismissive barriers. How can you ask me to give you a drink? Literally in the Greek, we don't share utensils because you Jewish people believe if you drink from my water jar, you'll be unclean because I'm unclean. And so how, you know, and there's also, there's a deeper hurt there, right? Your, your whole race of people won't even share a cup that I've used. And so how could you be asking me for a drink of water? And again, that may be our response when we go to prayer. That like, it's a simple invitation. But it's, I've been hurt before by this. Like, God, you haven't answered my prayers in the past. Or, or maybe like, I've tried this religion thing and it's not working for me in the way that I thought. Maybe I have been, you know, I, I've done that, been there, done that. And then Jesus opens her to something deeper, right? No, we're not, we're not just talking about water here. If you knew the gift of God, right? If you knew the gift of God and who it was that was talking, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water, right? He, he's inviting her to go deeper. And that is, at our prayer, it could stay at a surface, in our involvement in the church, it could stay at a surface, oh, someone asked me to volunteer to help out with this. Good, it's a first step. But then it always has to go deeper. Jesus always invites us deeper, right? Um, if you knew the gift of God, you would have asked, and he would have given you living water. And then two, she just stays with her natural objections. You don't even have a bucket, right? Come on, man, what are you talking about? You don't, how are you going to give me living water? You don't even have a bucket. Just all the natural objections. And maybe God starts inviting me deeper in my natural objections. I'm too busy. The church is a dying organization. And why am I going to invest in something that's not going to be around in 40, 50, 60 years, right? What's all these things, these natural objections that we can put in the way of God's invitation. And Jesus, again, continues with a supernatural outlook, right? Everyone who drinks this water, they're going to be thirsty again. But the water that I give, again, it's the person of Jesus. The water that I personally give, it becomes a fountain in you. 
and it wells up to eternal life, right? All those past objections, all the past problems, all the natural barriers, all just the natural lack of means, Jesus says, hey, just trust me. Like it's, a per- it's me, the water I give. It becomes a fountain and it wells up to eternal life. And then she says, okay, I'll bite, right? I'll bite. Give me this water. I'll take that like that. That sounds fine. You could give me that water. That way I don't have to come here anymore uh, to get it. And now we're going to go to this pivot moment where what's the real problem, right? We've had a nice surface conversation, but what's, what's the real problem? Go call your husband, right? Go call your husband and come on back. I don't have a husband, right? It's a really short answer. I don't have a husband. You're right, Jesus. You're right. You've, you've had five. And the one, the guy you're living with now, he's not even your husband, right? The, what's, the, what's, the root of, what's the root of so many people when they are frustrated with religion? It's actually not religion, right? It's actually not just like, oh, I don't like mass. I don't, no, there's a deeper problem. There's a deeper hurt in my life. And actually, Jesus loves us too much to stay superficial, right? That's it, a beautiful thing about, sometimes we don't want to go there, Right? I don't, I'm going to the dentist this upcoming week. I had a retreat last week. I got the dentist this week. So I'm going to the, like, I'm glad that my dentist loves me too much to stay super, oh, Father Casey, yep, you had the same amount of teeth you had last time, so you're good, right? No, we're going to check. We're going to clean out some of that deep tartar, right? It's going to hurt, but I love you too much as your dentist to let you, let you stay with that, right? And so we got to get in there. We got to, what's the real problem? And so Jesus gets there. And, and it could be tough when there's that, that pivot moment. What's, what's the deeper real problem in our life? What's the deeper thing that needs healing, that needs conversion, that needs to be addressed? And then uh, she actually brings up that it's actually the deepest problem is, is one of religion. I, I don't trust God. Look, you people say that we worship in Jerusalem. We worship on a mountain. I actually don't trust God enough to allow that moral conversion in my life. Because even though we pivot to the moral, we don't just stay there. The church is not just a good behavior regimen, right? That we're all just going to just do good behavior. No. Um, Rather, the deeper is when we worship God, and when we actually worship God in spirit and truth, then we're strengthened to confront our moral problems. We're strengthened to confront those areas where we struggle, our areas of weakness, those wounds in our life. The deepest problem is always one of faith, of trust in God. Jesus, do I trust you enough? That actually, you're worth more than this sin that I'm holding on to. Like, Jesus, do I really trust you enough? I was talking to someone a number of years ago, and it, um, it was a situation where they, they didn't want to let go of a particular thing. And because of that, there were other consequences with regard to life in the church. And I said, well, it's not a hard no. It's just you're choosing this over that, right? You're choosing one thing over another. And that's what happens when we choose any, any of our sins, anything that is we want this more than I want God, right? It's choosing over. So the problem is one of worship. And Jesus teaches, right? True worshipers, we worship in spirit and truth. God strengthens us with his spirit, but we live the truth, right? The truth of the gospel. Uh, we live that. And then finally, she's asking this question, which you can sense is a leading question, right? When the Messiah, I know the Messiah is coming, right? 
I know. And she's almost waiting. Like the one called the Christ, when he comes, he'll tell us everything. And Jesus, yes. Like, yes, that's, that's me. It actually is, I'm the answer, right? Jesus is the only one who can say, like, I'm actually the answer, right? Me, Father Casey, I'm not the answer, right? I may think I like to be sometimes, but actually, no, like, I'm not the answer. Jesus is the answer. Ultimately, to any concern we have, to our deepest problems, to those messy situations we get ourselves into, Jesus is personally the answer. And so in this dialogue of prayer, we come to know him. Okay, let's quickly go to a deeper meaning of this, though, because there's some really cool stuff here. Um, The well, the well in Scripture, this all takes place at a well, And the well is the place where marriage proposals happen, right? That's what wells are in that ancient culture, where you get a marriage proposal. So Jesus here, again, he's not going to literally marry this woman, but there's this, like, he's coming as the bridegroom, right? He's the bridegroom. And the people of Samaria had worshipped false gods. In fact, you know how many false gods they had worshipped through their history? Five, and now they were on number six. You've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. He's not just talking to this woman about her situation. It's the whole thing with, this is the people, they're, they're part of the family of God, but they broke off and they're worshiping false gods. And now Jesus has come as the suitor to capture their heart, right? He's come as Romeo, and they are Juliet. And he is capturing their heart and reaching out to them in love. The Messiah is the bridegroom. And ultimately, he's the bridegroom of each and every one of our hearts, of our soul, of the church. The church is the bride. Jesus is the bridegroom. And so the well, he reaches out to us as this groom. Jesus is trying to woo us, right? He wants us to fall in love with him. He's making us a marriage proposal of a covenant that he wants to make with us. And he's doing it through this woman. What are the false gods, those five false gods in my life? What are the ways that I've fallen away and have worshipped other things and consider them more important? And here comes Jesus to be the true spouse, right? Here comes Jesus to be the true spouse of his church. And then we just finish with this. That he says, look up and see the fields are ripe for the harvest, right? It could be a depressing situation in the church when we see numbers declining and the median age rising. And what, is, what are we going to do? And Jesus says, he's the bridegroom. He has the power to win each and every heart. Those hearts that are longing for love are longing for him. And so he gives us this confidence today. Look up. Look up and see the field is ripe for the harvest. There are people that are thirsting for love. And when we think that a society and a younger generation is running farther and farther away from God, Jesus says, no, the field is ripe for the harvest. He's come to win our hearts. And so we need to, we can be agents to of spreading that love. First in our own life, our own conversion, our own turning back to Jesus And then simple conversations, inviting others back. This is what Jesus offers us today with this reading. And so let's ask him to really be that bridegroom of our heart, to really put aside 
whatever false gods we've had in our life, and to have this this moment of conversion. Because he, Jesus, the Messiah, is the one speaking to us, winning our heart into a covenant relationship with him.